I think the process of building and creating the brand has been very organic. And the reason why is because we ourselves are the customers for this product. I think in a lot of businesses, maybe more like B2B, but even B2C, you're sort of thinking about like, what does the customer want? And that's an abstract concept because you yourself are not purchasing B2B software or what have you. For us, like this is something I've wanted forever. Like. Welcome to Behind the Stays, a podcast that shares the stories behind your favorite Airbnbs, boutique hotels, and hospitality brands, and the hosts, operators, and entrepreneurs who have brought them to life. Every Tuesday and Friday, you'll meet the military veterans, the retired flight attendants, tech entrepreneurs, the school teachers, the single moms, and the real estate investors who are all, in their own unique ways, shaping the future of travel and hospitality. Discover how these visionaries from all over the world have built chic cabins in the mountains, designed bohemian bungalows on the beach, erected eclectic off-grid and nature-immersed escapes, and so much more. Behind the Stays is brought to you by Spontaneous, the internet's best destination for last-minute Airbnb deals. You can subscribe for free at Spontaneous.com. And I'm your host, Zach Buzicruz, co-founder and CEO of Spontaneous. All right, friends, enjoy the show. So I got a call from my cousin Phil the other day who is currently working on this like really cool glamping concept. He like can't stop talking about it. He's just like totally obsessed. <laughs> he's got the whole like brand figured out and he's actually in the process of finalizing his pitch deck because he is gonna need some cash money in order to bring this concept to life. And I was asking like, Phil like, hey, where are you at with trying to find and acquire the right land? I asked him like what markets he was researching in AirDNA and like what insights they were turning up. And then he said something that like totally shocked me. He told me that he wasn't using AirDNA. Like he he hadn't even heard of it. Crazy, right? But then, but then I got to thinking like, maybe it's not so crazy, right? A, a lot of y'all are newer to hospitality entrepreneurship as am I. So perhaps you don't know about AirDNA or even if you have heard of AirDNA in the past, there's a chance that some of your intel is outdated since the team there has just been like crushing it on the product dev front. So let me break it down for you. First and foremost, AirDNA is like a Zillow for STRs. It's the best resource on the market to determine if, when, and where to buy, build, or launch a short-term rental. On AirDNA, you can find STR data such as occupancy rates, average daily rates, projected revenue, and preferred amenities on any market in the world. And you can do this all the way down to like an individual zip code. Pretty cool, huh? Furthermore, you can see the STR earning potential of any property and customize and personalize your search preferences to filter based off of your very specific investment criteria. Oh, and get this, AirDNA now has this like properties for sale feature where you can find available properties for sale and see their earning potential directly within AirDNA. What's also just really, really, really cool about AirDNA that you just like don't get with other people in the space is that their platform is powered by Verbo and Airbnb data from over 10 million properties across 120,000 global markets. And the data that they have doesn't just like go back two years. In fact, they've got STR data going back to 2016. So you can actually see how nightly rates have increased or decreased in a particular state, city, or zip code over the last eight years. There's just not another data set out there with this much reliable intel. Now, AirDNA's pricing model used to be a little clunky, right? Like that was some of the feedback that folks had about AirDNA. It was like really amazing tool, but pricing model is just like a little clunky. But I am happy to share, friends, that you can now pay just $25 a month and access any market in the world. So if you want to see if a treehouse resort in Dubai pencils, you can do so in AirDNA. You want to buy land in Ontario to build a glamping resort? AirDNA will show you how other comparable products are performing in that region. Or maybe you've already got your stay up and running and you want a better understanding of how your Airbnb compares to others in the market. You can connect your listing to AirDNA and get accurate nightly pricing recommendations based on real world, real time demand. AirDNA is the key you need to unlock the insight behind what it's going to take to bring those big dreams that you have to life. And now that it's cheaper, faster, better, and stronger than ever before, you bet Cousin Phil is signing up. And you should too. So head on over to airdna.co forward slash behind the stays to learn more and get started. Again, that's airdna.co forward slash behind the stays. And if you talk to a team member there, tell them that Zach from Behind the Stays sent you their way. 
In just a moment, you'll meet Kyle Tibbetts, Chief Marketing Officer at Wander, a network of smart luxury vacation rentals that's on a mission to verticalize the short-term rental experience. If you would have asked Kyle as a 10-year-old what he wanted to be when he grew up, he would have told you a lawyer, which today, Kyle would tell you would have been a huge mistake. But if you would have asked Kyle what he wanted to be just a few years later, he would have told you an architect. From a young age, he had a deep appreciation for design and a longing to build things. And while Kyle wouldn't go on to design or build structures, he would go on to help design and build some of the most incredible brands in hospitality and real estate. Tune in to hear Kyle's stories and musings about what he learned while working at Hotel Tonight, a marketplace for last-minute hotel bookings that was ultimately acquired by Airbnb, the growth marketing lessons he learned while working at Open Door, how he met John Andrew, the founder and CEO of Wander on Twitter, and what it was about Wander that was so compelling to him, how he and the team built the Wander brand, lessons learned when trying to build a consistently luxurious yet distributed hospitality product, how Wander has pivoted over the last 12 months in light of macroeconomic shifts, the vision for the Wander brand over 2024, and so much more. You're going to love this chat, friends. And without further ado, get ready to meet Kyle. Alrighty, Kyle, we are live, my friend. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Great. Thanks for having me, Zach. Excited to chat. Today. I am. I just feel like I'm in like the presence of like a mini like celebrity or I don't know. Like I, I feel like I followed you. Oh, I followed you on social for so long. And of course, I followed, you know, Wander probably longer. Uh, and I had the opportunity to talk to Jane, John Andrew uh, six, nine months ago uh, on the pod, which he's just an incredible human. Um, but I'm super excited to to, to chat with you because you you head up marketing for Wander and I think Wander's reputation, if if nothing else in the industry, is you guys nail your branding and marketing. Um, and so I'm super super eager to to dive into all of that. But one of my favorite questions to ask folks that come on the pod, Kyle, is if I were to meet Kyle as a ten year old and I were to ask him what he wanted to be when he grew up, like what what would he have said? That's a great question. And thanks for the super kind words. Um, way too kind, way too generous. That's a lot to live up to, but we'll, we'll do our best. So yeah, I mean, it's a great question. Honestly, like as a 10 year old, I would have given you the complete wrong answer. Um, I think when you're 10, you know, I kind of wanted to do whatever my dad did. My dad's a lawyer attorney. So I would have said, I want to be a lawyer. And that's like the furthest thing <laughs> from what I ended up wanting to do. Uh, so it's like 180 degrees wrong. It's actually funny because you mentioned John Andrew, who's an amazing founder. Love working with him. Um, we kind of joke his dad's also an attorney. Yeah. So we kind of have like this joke that there's something about being the child of an attorney where your job is to assess risk <laughs> and like see all the things that could go wrong. But then going in sort of the opposite direction, which is more like entrepreneurial um, more risk oriented, right. right. In terms of sort of value creation as opposed to value protection. So I don't know if there's something there, but we kind of joke about it internally. I think if you'd asked me, let's say at age 14, I would have still given the wrong answer, but it would have been a little bit closer to the truth. I really wanted to be an architect actually when I was 14. Huh. So I used to sit there and sketch and draw buildings and imagine like how they could be designed and how they could be structured. And that, ties to what I do now in the sense that it's very creative. It's around building. I love design. I, I love like architecture and real estate personally. Yeah. It's kind of like a personal hobby, which does like help in the, in the wander space. Yeah. Um, I think I thought that it was too math involved and I didn't like math in school. So I ended up like kind of putting that on the shelf. Um, but yeah, I mean, no one dreams about being a marketer yeah. when you're 10. <laughs> no one dreams about being a marketer when they're 20. And I, and I really didn't, you know, um, I didn't take really any marketing classes in college. Yeah. I think I took maybe one. Um, and so I sort of fell into it in an interesting way when I was kind of doing my own. It wasn't even a startup. It was a little, you know, consulting company building websites and doing SEO for um, companies way back in the day. I'll date myself if I give you the date. <laughs> um, and that's when I learned marketing and sales. And I'm like, I really love yeah. this. And I was learning it outside of the classroom. So yeah, I would have given you the wrong answer, but eventually I, I was lucky enough to kind of stumble into what I love doing, which is really marketing, especially in the context of early stage startups, especially when partnering with like great CEOs. Mm -hmm. 
that have a product vision and just want to bring it to life. That's my favorite thing to yeah. do. Yeah, that's amazing. I, I I don't remember if I mentioned this in the conversation I had with with John Andrew or not, but I I've interviewed like a lot of people on on this show, but then I've you know hosted a couple other podcasts um, in in kind of like a past life and. There is something to be said, and they've all like I've I've interviewed like entrepreneurs, a uh, uh, kind of a, across the spectrum, and there there is something to be said for the children of lawyers and or people that were attorneys themselves who've turned entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. It is a special breed of entrepreneur, and I can't even I can't even tell you I can't even pinpoint it exactly, but there is there is something to how folks are so intentional with with the words that they use first and foremost but then also i feel like they're incredible framers like they're really really good and i don't know if it's because growing up around the dinner table you had to argue with your dad about something or you know you had to prove your point i don't know what it is but like there's something to being able to articulate a vision and or uh, propagate sort of a, a positioning statement that i feel like the children of attorneys and or attorneys turned entrepreneurs themselves are able to do probably better than any marketer i've ever met so i i, I don't know what what that says but um no, I think I think you've articulated, I think you've put your like finger on it better than I had, which is it is true that when your parent is an attorney, like the dinner table, you are sort of like arguing your position <laughs> and you're sort of like forced into doing it in an accelerated way. And so yeah, if you think about marketing or being an entrepreneur and telling a, a story about the business, like where it's going, like having that back and forth is incredibly helpful. And then obviously, like you know, you, you, you do have this backdrop in your mind of like understanding like risk Mm. and realizing that honestly, like the biggest risk, especially in the, in the context of building companies is sort of like not going for it, not moving fast enough, you know, not making big enough moves. So yeah, no, I think, I think you've, uh, your thesis is more developed than mine. So I'll, (laughs) I'll borrow that going forward. It's great. Oh gosh. Well, uh, Kyle, one of the reasons I was really interested in, in talking to you is you've got quite the history and story and like prop tech and, and hospitality marketing. You've worked at places like hotel tonight and open door and now, and now wander. And one of the things I, I'm a growth marketer by trade myself. And I've one of the things I, I don't have an opinion on this yet myself, but I'm hoping you do given that um, you've had, you know, really cool experiences. Like do companies need different types of marketers depending on on like the stage that they're at for example when you think about your time at hotel tonight i think you were there fairly early you're obviously early at at wander open door i think was maybe a little bit more established when you joined what are your musings around the kind of marketers that startups need depending on like the stage that they're at yeah i have fairly strong opinions on this um I think my sort of overarching belief is that in the earliest stages of the company, you really want a great generalist. Mm. And the reason why is you don't know which channels are going to work. And so one analogy I would use, like when when you're a marketer is like, you're almost like a venture capitalist in the sense that you're placing bets across a portfolio of channels Mm. and they're not all going to work. In fact, probably most of them are going to fail or be somewhere in the middle. But if you hit on a handful that really work and have super high signal, that can sort of return the fun from a growth perspective. Mm, mm, yeah. And so the reason why I like generalists is again, like they can go out and try a bunch of stuff. And then once you validated that something works and there's signal, that's kind of where you bring in a specialist to like scale up that particular channel or program or, or what have you. Um, now being a generalist is difficult, <laughs> right? Because like, uh, like, you know, obviously, like, uh, I'll get it how I joined Wander at pretty much the beginning. Yeah. I was the second marketing hire at Open Door, so pretty early. Oh, so you were. Although okay. the business was. Yeah. Yeah. And then I, I was, I was like somewhat early at, at Hotel Tonight, but not like super early. So I guess I've gone like earlier and earlier, which um, is what I love. I love the beginning. Yeah. I love the zero to one and then um, going from one to wherever the company can go. Um, but yeah, so. That's that's kind of my belief. And then my other pretty strongly held belief is that prior to achieving product market fit, yeah. the primary goal for the marketing person is to accelerate the process of achieving it. Mm. Because really, marketing it exists on top of the product. Marketing can only amplify a great product. If customers don't resonate with the product, no amount of marketing is going to solve yeah. that. And so whether it's 
a co-founder who's marketing oriented, whether it's someone on the founding team, whether it's first marketing hire, my fundamental belief is that person should be a generalist and their job is to get the company to product market fit faster. And part of how they do that is they create a super tight feedback loop between like the early iterations of the product and sort of the target or ideal customer. Mm. And so their, their job is to just hunt those people down, run them through it, get the feedback back to product or whoever's iterating on the product. Um, and then once you get to product market fit, then you're playing more the game of building a marketing machine, testing different channels, hiring specialists to run those channels, um, and so on and so forth. So I think my journey as a generalist has been figuring out how to do the zero to one, but then how to get good at the one to, you know, infinity or whatever, yeah. ideally. Um, because those muscles are a bit different, right? Like the startup muscle versus the scaling muscle are different. And so, yeah, that's that's kind of my opinion, but I'd love to hear your thoughts as a as a fellow growth marketer. Yeah, I mean, I I I I'm so biased here because I also identify as a as a generalist. Um and you know, you, you sort of don't know what you need until you know that you need it, right? And there's some amount of just needing to, as you mentioned earlier, like test and and iterate and you know, understand, right? Okay, I, I believe I've tried everything I can on this particular channel. Either I don't have the the chops for it and or this is just not the right channel for us right now. I, and sometimes, you know, one is true and sometimes the other is true and sometimes they're both true. But I, I do feel like having a strong generalist who does have a good understanding of of product, who does also right have a really good understanding of sales. Like, obviously, you know, marketing and sales uh, have traditionally been a little bit more silent, I think, over the last probably even like decade um, they be, they become much much more integrated as, as functions, and I do actually think that your early generalist marketers also need to be they need to be willing to be promoters, like true promoters. And I I do think like you can't really be a great promoter if you if you're not a good salesperson to an extent, right? So th th those are kind of my my general my general uh, musings on on the topic. I did want to ask about like there's been this shift, I at least from my perspective, right of companies, especially early stage companies, um, positioning the founder almost as like the chief audience developer, the chief, the chief marketer in, in, in many respects. And I, I think like you see mostly like internet companies where, where this is true, right. Um, or, or, or companies that, you know, start, start by getting all the thread boys on Twitter to get excited about them. Right. I wanted your thoughts on like this moment that we're, we're sort of living through where it seems as if founders and or even I'll just go as far as to say like the founding team is super super active on social and arguably people fall in love with like the founder or the founding team almost first and then and then they fall in love sort of like with with the product or the brand like you don't see a lot of you don't see a lot of great examples like the McDonald's or like the Wendy's right of so of brands on social where the institutional brand or the company brand has such a great personality and such a great following. I feel like in in startups over the last few years in particular, you really do see these characters, right, that have come out. And 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 I, I don't know that influencers sort of like the right word here, but but you do see sort of the, the founding team acting as sort of true influencers and, and promoters of the brand. Like what are what is your perspective on on that shift? Do, does that work from a marketing perspective? Like, is that needed today just because there is so much noise? And I think about Beehive, right, as a, as a really good example of this. And like Tyler Dank and, and his team, I think are crushing this right now. But what, what are your thoughts on, on essentially the founding team becoming promoters on social of, of the company? It's a great observation. Um, I think kind of what we're witnessing is sort of like the Elon Musk phenomenon. Mm. I would argue Elon Musk is like the greatest marketer in the world, but he's not a marketer yeah. like by trade, if that makes yeah. sense. His ability to go direct to his audience. Um, and obviously he bought, you know, X formerly known as Twitter. Um, and so he does a lot of that there, but his ability to go straight to his audience and for his audience to engage with him and, and the brand, whether it's Tesla or, or SpaceX or whatever is pretty powerful. Yeah. I think like it probably mirrors the shift that we're seeing in media generally where the mainstream media, those traditional channels are sort of being disrupted yeah. by the fact that, you know, we now live in a world where people, whether they're founders or 
scientists or inventors or, or builders of any kind can go sort of direct to their audience and build that relationship. Yeah. So that's just the wave I think that we're riding. I think that it this the strategy of like engaging, you know, through whatever channels where your community is spending time can be very successful. I also think there's pitfalls as well. And so I think the version that's successful is very like or is very organic essentially. Yeah. And so when you're building something and you're sharing what you're doing and you're doing it because you genuinely want, you know, feedback from a community that might or might not be interested in your product, I think it works well. Yeah. I think there's some people that it's a little too performative. It's like you're building like for your audience on Twitter. <laughs> and I don't think that works because again, like at the end of the day, your job is to build and deliver a great product and create a company around it. Yeah. Your job is not to be some micro influencer on Twitter. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I, I, again, I think it's also just an advantage that small companies have. Those brands that you mentioned are decades, if not hundreds of years old. Yeah. So the origin story, the founding story, the, those characters, are they didn't exist in a time where we had social media anyway. But even, even if they did, it's kind of like probably a little bit forgotten. Yeah. And so I think if you're a startup, you have to play to your advantage. And your one of your advantages is the fact that you have a small team and people can literally like DM and send feedback and point out bugs. And so I think that's, of course, super smart to do. Yeah. Um, is it required? I don't know if it's required, but again, I think that startups have such a high failure rate that you want to line up every single advantage you can yeah. to succeed. Yeah. And so if you have you know, a CEO in the case of John Andrew, who's like just a great person to interact with yeah. and you've met him and, and had him on the pod. Like, why not use that to your advantage? As long as you don't go past the point of diminishing returns to where, you know, like building in public can get a little bit ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, overall, I think it's great that people can go directly to their audience. That's what this podcast is. You have an audience that you've built yeah. and it's not, uh, there's no gatekeeper. It's just, it's just you and your audience and whoever you have on. So I'm a super big fan of that shift, and I think startups should use it to their advantage. Yeah, no, it, it's really interesting, and I think the the line between it being helpful and it being distracting is is um, very easy to blur. Um, but hey, I last minute cancellations suck, and that's why we built Ping. Ping makes it easy for guests to be notified when their favorite Airbnbs become available. Ping is a simple widget that lives on your website or your direct booking site and allows your fans and followers to sign up and be notified if their preferred dates become available. Here's how it works. Jimmy sees that you're booked the whole month of October, but he wants to be notified if any three-night window in the month becomes available. Jen is a returning guest and she wants to be notified if any week in June, July, or August becomes available. In a matter of seconds, Jimmy and Jen fill out the simple form and they will be pinged if the requested dates become available. And as a host, you will immediately get pinged via email with Jimmy and Jen's contact information and requested dates, which enables you to build up your own database of guest email addresses. Ping is what the best Airbnb hosts use to maximize bookings. You can get access to our beta pricing with plans that start at just $39 a year at bnbping.com. Again, that's bnbping.com. I, I want to hear a little bit about the your, your first introduction to Wander. So I think you said that you were the second marketing hire at Wander. Is that correct? Yeah. So no, I, w I was the first. So I'll walk you through the yeah, story. I was the second the marketing hire at at, at Open Door, okay, which okay. that's a whole other story. But um, yeah, my journey into Wander was fairly random. So I mentioned before we started recording that I have this small seed fund called Paradox Capital. Started it and launched it kind of in 2020 slash 2021. Um, and, you know, I invest kind of on the side in these super early stage startups. And it's because that's what I love to do. Yeah. I love to jam with founders on marketing. And I, I love like the beginning. Mm. And I love like that getting off the ground phase of like just pure creation. It's super exhilarating. So anyway, the seed fund was kind of a vehicle for me to like do that in a way that was both productive, but also like super fun and a little more official than when I was just doing small personal angel checks. Yeah. And so I'm always keeping an eye out for, you know, great founders. That's what anyone who's investing in, in companies is really doing. And it was, and when I say it was random, like super random, there was a tweet in my in my thread from John Andrew, in my feed rather, 
from John Andrew. And we had really like very non-overlapping circles. Okay. I'm from the Bay Area. I live in Utah now, but I lived in the Bay Area for 16 years. He was in Austin. We're about a decade apart in age. And so like there was no real like connection. Yeah. Just this random tweet popped up. And the gist of the tweet, I could actually go find it, but the gist of the tweet was, I'm building the startup in the travel space. It's called wander.com. You know, like, let me know if you're interested in learning more. And my first thought was, how the hell did this guy get wander.com? <laughs> Especially as a marketer. I'm like, you literally found the best domain, yeah. the best brand for a travel startup possible. Yeah. And so like, what does that indicate about you as a person, as a founder, that you would have like the grit to go figure out how to like secure that? And so I, I shot him a DM, super casual. I think we hopped on the phone the next day. Yeah. And he just pitched me on the, the concept. And I think having been an open door where we were really verticalizing the experience of buying and selling a home, and then before that being at Hotel Tonight where I kind of got like the travel bug, yeah. it just made perfect sense. It's like we are going to verticalize the travel experience and make it way better for guests uh, and build a really great product and, and company around it. And so I had never done this to this point. I've done it one or two times since, but I literally committed to investing on the call. <laughs> and I said, what is the largest amount of money I can wire like today, like today <laughs> slash tomorrow. And so he was kind enough to let me into like this, this early pre-seed round. This was like in, in like, I think our conversation was in May of 2021, okay. which was the month that he sort of formulated the company. And then, yeah, like I invested like in early June. And so it just made total sense. And it's so funny because all these experiences opened our hotel tonight. At the time, like it didn't really make sense why I was having those experiences. But in retrospect, doing Wander, it's like, oh, great. Those were the perfect formative experiences to now lead marketing at Wander. And I was so infatuated with the concept that he and I were just texting every day hmm. about what marketing could be at Wander. So wow. it started off as maybe like five hours a week. Then it was 10 hours a week. Then it was 15 hours a week. And so a few months later, I just joined the company officially because the company sucked me in. I got the <laughs> virus. The Wander virus had been, had been uh, transmitted and um, never looked back. Yeah. Um, super enjoyed working with John Andrew and just the rest of the team. You know, Nathan, our CTO, uh, Matt, who was like the first official hire, who's now chief of staff, and the broader team now, which has grown to, you know, a little over 50 people. Uh, it's been an amazing experience. Yeah, I mean, it's been it's been really cool to kind of watch uh, from from you know the the sidelines here a little bit as as you guys have have grown. And when I think about again what I said at the top of the episode about you guys having just an incredible brand, um, I, I I like to like call you guys like Airbnb like but like dark mode, right? Like I feel like you guys have been like really intentional with like how you've developed the brand to in, 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 you know, some respects from, from a UX standpoint, feel as, as gooey, right. As, as Airbnb does, but, but, but look like really different. And, um, and again, the timing of the launch with like, I, I don't know, I, you, you might know better. You, you will definitely know better than me, but like, I feel like dark mode was, was sort of like just becoming a thing when like I first was introduced to the Wander brand to begin with. And it just had like all this like beautiful, like, symmetry and yet distinction um and and of course you know the name itself is is just absolutely splendid so what has it been like building this sort of brand because wanderous mission quite frankly like it's it's a difficult one right you guys are trying to as john andrew put it on the pod when he came on uh, uh, uh several months ago was like trying to verticalize the short-term rental experience right and at, at least at the time and i want to get into this a little bit but like at the time the vision was let's you know buy these incredible homes, the you know these luxury vacation rentals, um, and we're going to own and we're going to operate them. And John Andrew put it so well. He said like we want to build like a distributed hotel brand. Like that was ultimately uh, the goal. Maybe it still is the goal. And I I just remember thinking at the time like, damn dude, like this is going to be hard, but like very very cool if you can do it right um and in many respects that's like any any like hyper growth startup right is it's going to be really hard if the odds are st stacked against you and yet if you can do it 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 really does change things so what has it been like building this brand and and what can you tell us a little bit about some of the lessons you guys have learned along the way and and from a positioning standpoint how are how are you guys positioning wander today yeah, amazing question. I love that you mentioned like dark mode because as I mentioned in the last question, I started working on Wander and thinking through the marketing really as an early investor, but like before officially joining the company. 
And so I was working on like the visual language of the brand and the positioning, mm. I think like two months before I joined. Uh, and my initial instinct was like, this brand is going to be dark. Dark mode is a really good example. And I think the really simple reason is just, you know, and I love photography. I remember doing photography classes in middle school and high school. Photographs and, and video now in, in today's day and age, it, it looks great on black. Yeah. Dark. Yeah. You know, it just, it just, it just, everything pops. Yeah. Uh, and it wasn't really like an overly strategic decision. It was just like a more instinctive gut level decision that the brand's going to be dark and it's not going to have like some hero color, secondary <laughs> colors. That's all going to come from the natural elements like in the homes themselves and around the homes because we care a lot about not just the home itself, but the environment. And that's why you'll see, you know, aerial drone shots of these homes because like we're selling you like a setting yeah, in, with an amazing, inspiring view and an amazing place and all the activities around it, right? That's kind of like the wander sort of ethos. Yeah. So anyway, like since then, we have this amazing designer, Michał, who's from Poland. Uh, I think when he joined, he was literally like 19 or 20. Wow. Like super young. <laughs> and so I want to give him his shout out and hopefully he'll listen to this. Like he has partnered with me on bringing that visual language to life. The fact that this is so such a wander thing. The fact that we have one designer who's a product designer by trade, but does all the brand and marketing design for me as well is like, that's, that's wander and the wander team in a nutshell wow. is like in a normal circumstance, there's no way one person could do that job, but everyone at wander has multiple jobs, yeah. multiple hats, yeah. right? I'm the CMO, but I'm opining on different homes that we're looking at onboarding onto the platform because I love real estate yeah. and I love architecture and I love design. Yeah. So anyway, um, but going back to like the brand, like kind of zooming out a little bit and talking about it more holistically, I think the process of building and creating the brand has been very organic. And the reason why is because we ourselves are the customers for this product. Mm. I think in a lot of businesses, maybe more like B2B, but even B2C, you're sort of thinking about like, what does the customer want? And that's an abstract concept because you yourself are not purchasing B2B software or what have yeah. you. For us, like this is something I've wanted forever. Like my favorite moments in life, if I had to think about like my happiest moments, it's I'm with my family, I'm at the beach, we're all together, the sun's shining. And it's just like one of those moments that feels almost like eternal, yeah. like, but just perfect. Yeah. Almost like heaven on earth, not to get too metaphysical, yeah. but you know what I mean? Yeah, like those yeah, moments yeah. where everything feels good. I know you have a 14-month-old, I have one as well and a six-year-old. Like that feeling of togetherness in a great spot is like, you could bottle that up and sell it. Yeah. That's just an amazing business. Yeah. So I think that accelerated the process of building the product, building the brand, building the business was like, we were building something that we wanted ourselves. And so these decisions around, yeah, like how to articulate the brand in terms of visual language or position it, or I can tell you a quick sidebar about how we came up with the tagline, find your happy place. Yeah, I was going to ask about that. It all, this, it, all this, it all this flowed from a very natural place. Yeah. It was not forced. Yeah. There was no focus groups. We don't use an agency. We do this all in-house because it's flowing from a very real place. The quick story, by the way, on the tagline was in September, I believe, of or maybe October of 2021, we were filming our very first launch video. Maybe you saw this launch video on Twitter, but it was just to introduce the concept of Wander. And we were at our very first home that we purchased, which is Wander Anchor Bay, which is up in Guilala in kind of the Northern California coast. It's beautiful. We spent all day filming... And we got to, we wanted to go to dinner, but everything shuts down at like eight in Gualala. <laughs> it's like this sleepy little town. It's super charming, yeah, right? Yeah. You should definitely go. Um, but like everything was close. And so we went to this restaurant and uh, they were like literally like shutting down the kitchen. And it was, it, it, yeah, anyway, myself, John Andrew, his dad was there. Uh, and so we sort of like, like, can you guys keep the kitchen open and just cook us some burgers? <laughs> like anything, we're really, really hungry. Like all the stores are closed. And so we sat down and we were like, what should the tagline of the company be? At this point, you know, we were working on like the first landing page and we're kind of, we weren't, the, the actual launch of the platform wasn't until January, but we were basically about to launch the waitlist. Okay, okay. And I can talk about the waitlist too, but the waitlist with founding members was something we were kind of building and getting ready to launch in October. And so we were brainstorming a bunch of different concepts and most of them weren't very good. <laughs> and then I think at one point I blurted out, well, maybe it's something around happy place. And it was funny because 
John Andrew's dad is like, well, that's like a line from like Happy Gilmore. And of course, being like a millennial and born in you know the mid eighties, like I, I knew what he meant. Yeah. Like he he anchored that concept of happy place to happy Gilmore. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I really think like, you know, discover your happy place, explore. I think there's something around that. And so eventually we finally found the word find your happy place. And we're like, ooh, that's nice. Mm. And so we kind of slept on it. I like stuck it in the landing page that hadn't launched yet. And it really grew on us. And it was kind of like one of those, like from a marketing standpoint, it's kind of like the Babe Ruth moment where you like point into the sky and you like hit a homer. Yeah. It's like, it really feels like it could last a very, very long time. Yeah. And so we we sort of kicked off the, the legal process of finding and securing the trademark, which we bought. Uh, we also got really lucky to talk about, and Matt should get a shout out for this on our team. We started getting all of the at wander handles. Mm. So at wander on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Dude, how much yeah, just like how much did that cost? That's what I want to know. How much does it cost to get the wander.com domain? I'm not gonna disclose. I'm not gonna disclose how much it costs. Give us a ballpark. But and um <laughs> honestly, like the, the the brand value of the at wander handles, yeah. like relative to what we paid, was like like an insane ROI. I would argue actually that like the best real estate we've ever purchased. Was, was the handle.com. Oh, what was it? Was the domain? Yeah, and I'll, yeah, I'll, yeah. Let, I'll let John Andrew tell the story of the domain because yeah, yeah, that's yeah. his story to tell yeah. on the next time he comes on your podcast. <laughs> but yeah, like the best real estate we've ever bought by far yeah. was wander.com. And then, and then, yeah, the, the handles as well. So that was kind of a, a long winded answer. Um, but, you know, going back to kind of the, the brand, yeah. you know, we were launching in 2021. So this was still the tail end of the pandemic. We we're coming out of the pandemic. Yep. There was tons of pent-up demand around travel. Yeah. People hadn't traveled for a while. So our initial target audience was really, you know, early believers, particularly on Twitter, candidly, that were remote workers. Yeah. They lived in urban settings. They're millennial, higher income earning, and they just wanted to get out. They wanted to escape. Yeah. And so that's really what we focused on. That was kind of our initial core target audience. Yeah. I think what we learned very quickly is that um, – the audience is much broader than that. It's really anyone, any traveler that values consistency and quality yeah. is going to be drawn into Wander. And so we've sort of evolved beyond that. But um, yeah, that's that's kind of like where we started. So from my, from my perspective, and this is this is something that I've um, that I've wondered for a, a while now. You know, Wander Wander Homes like are are pretty big. Like at least they they look big. I haven't looked through every single one, right? But they're but they're you guys have like an aesthetic that you go for it. I don't know what the minimum beds and baths are, but like they, these are beautiful, like obviously luxury, but, but also just like larger homes. And so one of the things I've always wondered is with, you know, my, my wife and I, right? Like, I don't know that we would ever go book a wander, the two of us, right? Even though like, I, you know, I love the brand, right? It's incredible. I want, I want a wander that makes sense for two people, but like, or, or you know, like a couple, but as it as it as the portfolio stands right now, it sort of seems like you guys are going after either that that family or maybe even you know a group of like I could see my buddies, you know, seven of us going together for for like a you know a, a guy's getaway or whatever it is. That would make sense. But what has that? You mentioned shifting sort of uh, target demos to a, a much broader audience. And yet, like the actual product is still a pretty large space. So, how have you guys thought through that? Yeah, it's a great question. I think our smallest home currently has two bedrooms. Okay, we've explored one bedrooms. They're they're a little bit like harder to justify because actually that's generally too small. Uh, and then our largest home, we have several homes that sleep like twenty two to twenty four people. Yeah, Wander Surfside Beach and. South Carolina is one of our best performing assets and it, uh, yeah, it's got like three floors, an elevator, eight or nine bedrooms, like tons of beds, tons of workstations. So that's like company retreat, yeah. family reunion, yeah. you name it. Um, you know, our general philosophy is that travel is better together. Mm. And so even if it's you and like another couple that are friends yeah. and you go to Wander Bandon Beach, which is two bedrooms, beautiful house in Oregon, Southern Oregon. I think it was our second or third house. Um, yeah, like you split it. You can click split with friends yeah. or pay half now, half later. And I think like the economics of it are still pretty favorable. Yeah. I think as we scale, the diversity of our supply in terms of what you can book is just going to increase. So it's, like, it's inevitable we will have a one-bedroom home. Yeah. It's inevitable we'll have 10-bedroom plus home that could probably sleep, you know, 
25, 30 people. Yeah, yeah. So I think that scale solves this in part. And then I think, again, we encourage people to travel together. So whether it's like just you and your immediate family or you and some some family friends, another couple, we really think that like getting people involved in the experience, a super memorable experience and making those memories is is best. But we also want you to be able to choose which adventure you want to go on. Yeah. Which is so I think which that, is just like a yeah oh, sorry real fast just which is a little bit of a different like strategy than like like I think about a lot of the other folks who are building just really cool luxurious like unique uh, escapes right uh, 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 around the world quite frankly but we're we're seeing these pop up like all over all over the place right now in the states in particular and I mean you know they're folks are charging a thousand dollars a night to stay in like a treehouse right uh, and it's like a couple's retreat and like that that's really hot and trending right now from a build standpoint from a travel demand standpoint. And yet it seems like Wander's sort of taken not not the opposite approach per se, but like, but 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 an adjacent approach that is like, no, 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 no. Like this isn't necessarily as the product stands right now, it's not necessarily for a couple to get away. It really is for a group or or you know, small family or 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 you know, small, small team, whatever it might be, which again, in and of itself is just a very different bet and strategy than what you know a lot of the other hot new hospitality brands that have popped up in the last few years yeah no i think i think it is a bit different i think we're doing a handful of things differently if we think about what wander is and just kind of take the 30,000 foot view yeah wander is combining the quality of a luxury hotel with the comfort of a private vacation home so we sit at the nexus of those two things and so we're pulling guests customers from both markets, ones that would book a nicer vacation rental on one of the other, you know, travel sites, or one that would book a really nice hotel. Yeah. If we, when we survey our our guests and ask what brands they like, Four Seasons, yeah. St. Regis, yeah. Apple, Tesla, getting out of hospitality, like those are the brands that they really, really like, and they're now putting Wander kind of in that in that bucket of brands that are delivering like a really quality and consistent experience. So. Yeah, I think there's travel is a huge space. Yeah. I don't I don't know exactly how big the lodging industry is if you combine it all together, but it's like hundreds of billions, like low trillions of dollars. And so, I think there's many ways to approach travel. There's lots of room for innovation. Yeah. I think the fact that we're in this technology wave around you know AI and all the other stuff we mentioned, like travel and and just hospitality in general, is going to change. Yeah. But yeah, our approach has been really beautiful homes, really beautiful settings. People can use the homes and use the platform however they want. And so we see the use cases all over the map. We do see people travel by themselves as a couple or even solo travelers as well. Like think about going to Hudson Valley and writing a book, Yeah, yeah. you know, like as the leaves are turning and it's fall, like people use them for any number of ways. People are now doing weddings at Wanders. Mm. People are doing launch events for brands. We work with you know, large brands, you know, Hyundai, Lexus, uh, Peloton have done events at our, at our homes. So we really, our perspective is we want to deliver a really great experience. The house is going to have everything you need. It's going to have desk setups. It's going to have amazing bed setups. It's going to have super fast internet. It's going to have everything in the kitchen you'd need to cook a really great meal. I just got back from Wander Yellowstone. So oh, nice. I'm a little, nice. you know, high off of that experience. It's always good to put my customer hat on. And we just let our guests, the travelers decide how they want to use the platform. Yeah. And we certainly take feedback. And so we'll definitely evolve our supply stack and our portfolio over time to address what people want. But what we're finding is they know better than, than we do, like how to use these properties and also how to find the right property for them. And so a lot of what we're doing is matchmaking them with the right wander, especially as we go to like 50 properties, a hundred properties, 200 properties yeah. and beyond. Yeah, no, I I am super impressed by sort of how how responsive it, it seems like you guys are to to you know uh, wanderers or I don't know what you call your 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 guests your 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 travelers. Um, but one of the things I wanted to ask about is the kind of like original sort of pitch, right? Uh, for for wander was sort of this verticalizing of the short term rental or vacation rental uh, uh, experience, right? And I remember John Andrew saying something about how how important it is really to be able to like, if you want to deliver a consistent product, right? And you think about Airbnb, like the, the biggest gripe people have had with Airbnb for, for years, right? Is that 
So you go to one Airbnb and it's great. You go to another Airbnb and it sucks, right? And the the standards around what an Airbnb is, right, are quite frankly like very are, are many and varied, right? At best, like that's a nice way of putting it, right? And that is just because of how how the marketplace works, right? And how, and how the platform works. I mean, Airbnb started with people renting out rooms in you know an individual's home, right? And 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 yet. Wander's sort of proposition was something entirely different. Like if we can totally control the experience, right? If we can control the actual space, if we can control the guest experience, if we can, you know, control the messaging pre and post stay, that's a way to ensure quality, right? Um, I, I do believe that the original intention was to own all of these properties. Um, I, I think that that shifted a little bit. Uh, obviously, you know, when Wander was started, the macroeconomic environment was very different than it is today. Um, but what can you tell us a little bit about sort of how you guys have have pivoted and shifted and how are you focused on ensuring quality uh, as the portfolio of Wander Homes expands and as you might actually bring people into your network who own the homes that, you know, Wander manages? Can you just touch on that a little bit for us? Yeah, there's a lot to unpack there, but it's a great... Yeah, sorry, that was very con- that was very convoluted. <laughs> no, it's it's good. It's good. It's super super top of mind. I'll kind of start at the beginning and 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 work down the list. So I think you mentioned Airbnb. First off, I have enormous respect for Airbnb. Uh, team's amazing. Brian Chesky's an amazing amazing founder. They've shifted consumer behavior in a way that uh, made something like Wander possible. Yeah. Right. So I think credit where credits due. I do think the problem, and I'm speaking as someone who's who's booked Airbnbs and VRBOs. I know they want me to say Verbo, but I'll just say VRBO. <laughs> um, the problem is, yeah, the variance in the experience you have is way too high. Yeah. I've had a couple great experiences. I've had a couple horrible experiences and certainly a lot of shades of gray in between. And so I, I Customers, I don't think like that. And so again, if you can remove that variance, yeah. if you can solve that needle in a haystack problem of only delivering the top 1% or 0.1% of vacation rentals and wrapping it in this hospitality experience that is like super amenitized, yeah. super consistent across, across properties. Like I mentioned, I was just in Yellowstone and uh, I think my last trip, my last time, the last one I was at was Warner Calistoga for a team retreat. You're totally different places. Yeah. Yellowstone, you know, like you're by the national park, you're out in Montana, you know, Calistoga, you're an hour and a half from San Francisco, but the bed setups are the same. Yeah. The Ghirardelli chocolates on the pillow are the same. The, you know, the wander robes and all the toiletries, all the same. So I think customers value that. Yeah. I think that's what we found. That's, that's like how we initially got product market fit and how, you know, we're seeing this like 93% plus guest satisfaction rating yeah. over the course of almost three years. The company will turn three in, in May. So I think that that's the problem to be solved. Yeah. And I think that's the problem we're still trying to solve yeah. is like, is, is that problem. And I think now that we have signal, right? More than signal. I mean, we have super strong product market fit around the product. It, how do you scale the company, but maintain that level of quality? Yeah. And so, yeah, the first, I think 15 homes, you know, we, we just bought them and put them on our balance sheet. And you're right. This was a different like rate environment. And uh, to be honest, we had to start there. There was kind of this cold start problem of even if you were going to end up with maybe more of a managed marketplace, how do you prove the wander concept? Yeah. Like, you just have to do it. Yeah. You just have to like buy some homes, define the wander standard, build your own booking platform. I think that's the thing that people maybe don't think about yeah. a lot is like part of why wander is so different is like we have our own booking platform. We own the customer relationship. We own the data. And so, and it's super helpful from a marketing standpoint to, to own that relationship in terms of repeat booking and LTV and all the rest. So we had to build all that, right? And so that was just how we started. Now, what happened was people would come to us and say, hey, I have this beautiful house. It's my second home. It's in Malibu. Or yeah. It's in uh, Yosemite or what have you. Like, would you ever consider managing it? And at first we were like, well, that's not what we do. You know, we just own the <laughs> asset and manage it and it's complete verticalization, but we decided to test it. And, and there's a lot of benefits to, again, like we, we call it wander operated as a product, but to managing these other properties and bringing it into the fold. One is that you can access homes that we otherwise couldn't purchase anyway. Yeah. And so 
know, some of these homes are six, eight, ten million dollars. We yeah. were not buying homes that expensive. We just couldn't do it. Yeah. The math doesn't pencil out. And so it's pretty magical to be like, hey, Zach, you and your wife and your 14-month-old can go stay in Wander Malibu, which is let's call it like a $10 million home. Yeah. Yeah. You can pay, you know, $9.95 a night, split it with another family. So maybe you're around four hundred dollars a night. Yeah. You have like a oceanfront Malibu yeah, yeah. mansion. It's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. For cheap for cheaper than a nearby hotel, yeah. which is like subpar experience in every in every sense of the word. So and, and operated has really just taken off. Yeah. And so what is what's great about it is our supply stack has evolved to allow us to scale faster, deliver more properties, more locations, which is what our guests want. Maybe you want that one bedroom so you and your wife can get away from the 14-month-old that's not <laughs> sleeping, right? And so like we can, we can get that to you quicker. Yeah. But the guest experience is identical to how it was in 2022 and 2023. Yeah. When we, you know, owned 100% of our properties. And really, guests just care who's operating the property. Yeah. As long as we're operating 100% of the properties and we're sort of like the four seasons yeah. of you know delivering that experience, then guests are happy. And then owners are happy. You open up a whole other customer set that is extremely happy with Wander as well. Yeah. I mean, it, it makes it makes a lot of sense, right? If you have any interest in scaling, right? There there are only so many, you know, uh, mansions that wonder will be able to buy and, and and own themselves right there there is a tipping point there which is also why some of the largest most successful hospitality brands in the world own like next to no actual real estate right um and 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 so it it makes it makes a ton of sense i remember i actually had uh, taylor bates on the podcast recently and you guys recently brought her home uh, the afton house i believe it's called into into the wonder network and i remember her saying on the podcast she was like i was very hesitant to let anyone else manage you know and it wasn't until I got like their, I don't know if it was like a spreadsheet or Google sheet or something like that with like 300 different uh, points of like everything that Wander needs to have. We have to have these specific linens. We have to have these, you know, specific towels. She was like, and what really got me, like how I knew that these were like my people is they said, all right, we have a Wander scent that we, that we will be using in your property. <laughs> she was like the scent, the fact that they have a custom scent, she was like, I, that's all I needed to hear. They should have, they should have led with right. that. And I would have like, you know, uh, signed up immediately. So anyways, it, I share that only, only to sort of, uh, reinforce the fact that it does seem at least from a customer's perspective, from a, you know, managed customer's perspective that the, that the, uh, discipline around, uh, quality assurance is, has remained and, and will, and will remain incredibly strong, uh, even as, as the model might've shifted a bit. Yeah. The, the details matter. The details matter a lot. And so whether it's the wonder scent or whether it's this notion that, you know, when you walk into a house, you know, maybe your favorite song is playing or, you know, the temperature's just right. And, you know, there's something up on the TV screen kind of welcoming you into your, your experience for the next three to five to seven days. Like, what are all the things that we can do that other travel companies can't do because they're not verticalized? That's yeah. a lot of what I think about. Yeah, I think about that too, from a marketing standpoint in terms of differentiation, but really at the end of the day, it's like, what can you deliver to the customer that feels totally magical? Um, Taylor's house, by the way, is a beautiful house. I happen to just love that style of architecture. Mm. Hopefully I don't butcher the style. I think it's sort of modern Tudor. I actually just finished building a house a few months ago here in Utah. Wow. And the style is like similar. It's kind of in that vein and it's just a beautiful house. Um, we've been in meetings with you know different folks and they see a picture of the house and they're just kind of like it takes their breath away <laughs> it's beautiful um, it is yeah it's stunning dude yeah yeah so um but yeah i mean that's that's the beauty too of this operated model is we get to partner with great people like taylor and and her amazing house and just take what is already a great asset and just elevate the experience to like the next level yeah and it also relates to marketing i, I believe you know taylor uh, was doing a lot of marketing for the property prior to the property being onboarded on Wander, and you know that's another area where we just try to take things to the the nth degree or the next level. So when we think about Wander's marketing strategy, I would say content is the tip of the spear. Yeah. And then the question is, what are all the channels where that content can live? And so we, I like to say, we overinvest in content. And so you'll go to these property pages, and you'll see a ten minute tour video, you'll yeah. see a ten minute activity video, all the restaurants, all of the museums, all of the outdoor stuff you can do in that in that market. We'll put together tons of blog content. We'll put together, you know, we'll share floor plans. We'll, sh we'll share as much information as you need, Zach, as a traveler. Yeah. 
to feel confident booking yeah. and book with confidence. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, but great house, yeah. great house, great fit for Wander. Super excited about its its future on the platform. On that note, uh, a couple of final questions for you, but one is just around uh, on the over-indexing or overspending or, or, or what have you on uh, over-investing on, on content. What are your thoughts on, like I, I've been thinking a little bit about, um, you know, uh, there are these incredible short-term rentals that have hundreds of thousands of followers, right, on Instagram, right, for, for their, you know, crazy unique stay or their luxury, like cabin, whatever it might be. Like, do you, do you see a world in which, like, Wander goes and, and it, because you guys are trying to verticalize this experience, right, you're trying to own the customer, right, as opposed to just, you know, exclusively listing on OTAs or something like that. Do you see a world in which Wander goes and, and actually tries to, like, acquire these existing asset you know assets that fit the wander portfolio for sure but then also like digital content assets that fit the wander portfolio in in a in a move to acquire like new audience like is that is that something that you guys have talked about is that something that you guys have have looked into yeah it's something we've discussed it's not something we've done yet yeah i think that at a high level anytime again we bring a new home onto the platform yeah you unlock new pools of demand if that makes sense yeah so that athen house i believe was our first house in virginia and so or you know we're about to launch a house i think uh in a handful of weeks in uh michigan like lake michigan right so that opens up the chicago market yeah it's kind of the ham the hamptons of, of chicago so anytime you you acquire a new home even if there's zero marketing around it or an existing audience around the home yeah you unlock new pools of demand the idea that a home itself could already have a following, super attractive yeah. to us. Yeah. Absolutely, right? It grows. It just means that there's there's natural demand for that property already. And it's actually like, uh, it's not just like in the ether. It's actually like organized, like in a digital form. Um, uh, so that's, I think that's like super appealing. Yeah. And I think we will see more of that. Yeah. I do think a lot about, how do these, how do you make the homes feel a little bit famous? Mm, and yeah. so if you look at what we do with content creators on YouTube, right? Where yeah. Ryan Trahan or Jake Paul or whatever is going to go stay at a wanted property. Once they've stayed at that wanted property, it, for at least that's that audience, yeah. it feels a little bit famous. Like yeah. I'm going to go stay at the same house as Ryan Trahan or yeah. Jake Paul or whoever. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I think, um, yeah, I think content is is kind of everything. I mean, everything we do is really just around content. And then it's about like distributing it in the right channels and deploying it in the right channels and improving it. And then, you know, we, we don't need to get into this, but just internally building like systems around content production that scale. Yeah. And that are cost effective. <laughs> and so anyway, that's a whole other discussion, probably for a second podcast. Yeah. But how do we do this efficiently? You know, the marketing team at Wander is very small. Yeah. How do we just build a world-class company and product with as efficient resource allocation as possible. Yeah. And so I think a lot about that, which is something that again, like five years ago, even three years ago, wasn't top of mind for people. Yeah. Yeah. Different, different times for sure. My, my last question for you, man, is, uh, around like an exit strategy. So I, I know that like Wander's still very young. Um, and I, you guys have, it sounds like an incredible like product roadmap ahead, uh, you know, uh, operated by Wander, Wander operated is just starting to take off that potentially unlocks a lot for you all. But like, what, uh, what, what are some possible like in the next few years? Wh where do you see uh, if you were a betting man? Like, wh where do you see Wander going? Like, is this is Wander going to become like Airbnb's like new Lux property? Like, will uh, you know an OTA buy Wander? Will will a large vacation rental management company buy Wander? Like, what what are your thoughts on how how Wander exits? Because you guys are venture backed, right? And so like that is the thing, right? Uh, pub going public and or and or being acquired. So like. What are, what are your, your, again, musings, uh, maybe even dreams with respect to what happens with Wander in the next few years? Yeah, so our ambition is to build a durable company that's going to last and continue delivering a great customer experience for many years. I think one thing that's probably noticeable from the outside, and you, again, having both an outside perspective, but you've met folks on the team and you're going to meet more, I'm sure, like we love what we're doing. Yeah. So I think it comes across in the work that we love doing this and we don't want to do anything else. Yeah. There's nothing else on the planet that I want to be doing. Yeah. And I can say that definitively. I couldn't always say that at every job I've ever had, but yeah. I can say that in this case. Like this feels like a mission, a calling, something we were like born to do. Yeah. And so in that context, we just want to keep doing it. And so what do we need to achieve, right? To make that possible. 
Uh, one is we need to grow. And so, you know, I think that if I think about the chapters of the business, if 2022 was about, you know, locking, unlocking product market fit and 2023 was about sort of building the machine, both of like the marketing machine, but also just the, the, the machinery of the company. Yeah. 2024 is about scale. Yeah. And so you'll see us go from, you know, I think we're approaching 50 locations now, not all of them live. We'll probably end the year. This is a broad range, but I'll say between 100 and 200 locations. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, on track to hit profitability sometime in the summer, you start hitting those milestones and then it's like the company can really, it takes on a life of its own. It can really outlive, you know, any sort of short-term dreams or aspirations. Yeah. That's really our only focus. Yeah. We don't talk about exit strategy apart from that. We're talking about let's get profitable. Let's deliver a great customer experience. Let's deliver a great return and experience for the owners that have joined the platform since they're another customer set as well. Kind of in this managed marketplace model where yeah. Wander's almost also like an app store where like homes get approved and they get brought up to a certain standard and then they get Mm. They get distributed through mm. kind of our distribution moat out to the audience. Um, we haven't talked about like AI much, but I think, you know, in your next conversation with John Andrew, you should ask him about like, we run the whole company on the software called Wander OS. Yeah. And all the stuff that we're doing software wise that allows us to run this business with like software like margins is pretty exciting as well. So that is our only focus and our only ambition. And we just want to keep doing this for as long as possible. Yeah. You know, like we're a young company filled with like, I'm on the older side now that I'm in my, you know, <laughs> mid to late thirties, but we just want to keep doing it. That's yeah. it. And we want to keep delivering for our customers. And then we want to keep innovating too, because there's so much to build. Yeah. I think that one of the most flattering things that guests have ever said about us is like, they've called us like the apple of travel. And to be clear, we are nowhere near that. <laughs> but if we could aspire to be anything like that for people and hold that place in their lives where regardless of where they want to go in the country or the world, they know I'm going to book a wander yeah. and I know what I'm going to get when I get there. And then they have all these great memories that last a lifetime. And that's really the KPI that matters is all that happiness, all those memories. Then, I mean, what a great opportunity to get to do that. We'd be super grateful to do it. Just, so just I don't to, mean to evade your question, no, but that is, no, that, that is, was, that, that is answer. our ambition is to like for the company to be independent and last. And again, I want to build an iconic brand out yeah. of it because it's, it's, um, it's almost like the name, the domain, the handles, it deserves that. It deserves it someone to it build does. something great with it. And so there's sort of an obligation to do that, if that makes sense. I mean, it makes loads of sense. And just to reinforce what, what you said, Kyle, when I talked to John Andrew again uh, months and months ago, I, I distinctly remember, because it was so poignant, he said, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. He's like, I, I want to build water. And what was funny about when he said that and how he said it, I've talked to a lot of like early Airbnb employees, right? And everyone you talk to at Airbnb will tell you like Brian Chesky is exactly the same. Like if you, if you talk to everyone, every single person I've talked to at Airbnb, that was early at Airbnb will say definitively like, this is what he'll spend the rest of his life doing. Like as long as Airbnb is allowed to be around, like Brian Chesky, if he's allowed, right, <laughs> will be there, right? And And it was funny the way, the way that John Andrew said that so definitively. Again, I don't want to hold him to anything because, like, you know, who knows? Things things do change. But he 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 seemed so so uh, so genuine when he was like, "This is what I would want to do with the rest of my life." Like, I yeah. I just want to build wander. And so, anyways, it, I yeah. think that that just reinforces everything that you just said. Yeah, I mean, in some ways, that's the right answer to give, but not everyone is genuine about it. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. John Andrew is genuine about it. I feel very strongly about it. And so we'll see. But yeah, we need to get you and your family to a wander. So let me like, I'll generate a, a discount code for you and uh, your wife and your 14 month old. Maybe we'll get some friends to come with you, but let's get you to a wander. And then once you've experienced it, I think you'll have an even deeper like understanding of the vision for where this could all go. And you'll have lots of great ideas, which we'll love to to take from you and and hopefully implement. Yeah, dude. Well, this has been a pleasure, man. Kyle, thanks so much for your time. Um, I will hold you to that. I can't wait to, to stay at a wander. I um, am just super, super impressed by the brand that you guys have built and, and really sort of the, yeah, I, I would go as, so far as to say sort of, you've become a pinnacle for folks who want to build cool hospitality brands. Like the number of people that I talk to on this podcast who talk about Wander as like an aspiration, right? Um, is is not just a couple of people. It's 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 certainly more than that. So thank you for you, like thank you to you and your team and and all the great work that you guys have done to to build this brand. 
wish you guys incredible luck uh, and uh, just, you know, go get them in 2024. And we'll have to have you back on in, you know, later this year or early next to, to kind of see how, how you guys have progressed, but uh, keep up the great work, man. Really appreciate it, Zach. And I'll, I'll definitely be back. I promise. So thank you so much. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Behind the Stays. I'd love to know what you thought of the episode. Feel free to shoot me an email directly at Zach, that's Z-A-C-H, at spontaneous.com, or find me on X, formerly Twitter, at ZBoozy, that's Z-B-O-O-Z-E-E, or on LinkedIn at Zach Cruz. If this is your first time tuning in, it's a pleasure to have you, and we hope to have you back again soon. If you've been a listener for a while, though, I'd greatly appreciate if you could subscribe and then leave us a rating and review of the show wherever you are currently streaming this podcast. Last but certainly not least, Spontaneous and Behind the Stays are totally bootstrapped, and my ability to bring you these stories is only possible because of our incredible advertising partners. We're very much a startup show, and while our growth rate is amazing, thanks to all you who keep tuning in and sharing our show with your friends and family, we haven't quote-unquote made it yet. So if you could do me a huge favor and go and check out the sponsor for today's episode in the show notes below, I would greatly appreciate it. Even if their offering doesn't make sense for you right now, sending them a quick message on social or an email, just saying that you're listening to the show and you appreciate their support would be incredibly amazing. All right, friends, thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your day and we will see you on the next episode of Behind the Stays.